well, good afternoon. I'm trying to put some music there, but the internet was fighting me. But uh, no hard feelings. My name is Kudzai, and I want to welcome you to yet another episode of the Marie Podcast. And we are running a how-to series as we begin the new year. Just a series on a couple of things that people have been asking about. How do I get into crypto? How do I trade on the ZSE? How do I open a bank account? How do I set up in South Africa? A whole lot of different things. So we'll run a series around some of these important pointers or important questions that many of you have been asking about. So this particular one, we want to treat the issue of cryptocurrency and particularly zeroing in on Bitcoin, which is the poster child of all things cryptocurrency. And we've aptly entitled this one, it's not too late to buy Bitcoin. Now, some quick background information because this is really meant to be Bitcoin, uh, you know, introduction for dummies. I want to say that in October, I believe 2008, a gentleman called uh, Satoshi Nakamoto uh, put out a white paper where he was speaking about the idea of a blockchain or the idea of uh, building a platform that, you know, is against the ideals of centralized systems because he understood that, you know, centralized systems were places where things were run in financial systems, uh, you know, entirely at the basis, uh, you know, of trust. And they obviously, because they were centralized, they would be expensive and there would always be sort of a single point of failure. And you can go to YouTube and watch. We did share this on our Marie podcast, Twitter and all there is a gentleman, a local gentleman who tried to really explain this in very simple English mixed with Shona around how the concept of blockchains work and particularly how uh, Bitcoin works. But uh, suffice to say that this was a gentleman who was basically just putting forward his theory of the blockchain, a theory where he says that many people would own together a system and no transaction goes through unless the entire system agrees and it is built in such a way that there can be no repetition, no one can take advantage of it, no one can pretend that there is money when there actually isn't money. For those of you that know how money works, you take note that when it would write that I promise to pay the better on demand really, it was because people knew it that back in the day that value was in the form of say gold, you couldn't really go about with 10 kgs. Uh, well, of course, you could go about with six kgs and perhaps even attempt to cross, you know, uh, the border, particularly at Harare International Airport and put it perhaps in a handbag. You could. But most people, ordinary folk, would not really go about lugging large amounts of gold. And so how paper money came about was the fact that someone would deposit the gold somewhere and then they would come back uh, with that piece of paper and say, listen, I put uh, I have gold in this place. Uh, this paper simply says I have it somewhere. So if you hold on to this paper, I've given you value and there's gold somewhere at the end if you really want to go ahead and get it. Uh, but because no one could see that gold, then it became easier over time for people to print more paper uh, under the assumption that there was gold backing it uh, when there really wasn't. And so I'm being as simple as possible, just you know how I would explain this to my 10-year-old son. But essentially we are saying that for there to be money, for there to be value, it's because we have paper we are holding on to in the belief that it is backed by something and so because of that particular way of money uh, being created and going around uh, it became very easy for other people to continue to print money and Zimbabweans would know this best you know when there's actually nothing behind it now uh, it would then become easy for someone to say we've paid you uh, or even to send you I want to use another simple term someone sends you a proof of payment and says I've sent money um, but in truth 
they've actually not sent the money to you or alternatively and more importantly when it comes to blockchain um the fact that you know uh someone cannot then spend that gold that is supposed supposedly being held they cannot be able to use it twice if they've taken it out of the system it is complete out of the system so duplication would not okay so it's important and perhaps instructive that we find that white paper if you google uh, satoshi uh, nakamoto uh, bitcoin white paper you should be able to find it uh, it's interesting that uh, there are two dates some celebrate the birth or the birthday of uh, bitcoin in that october when he published the white paper in 2008 uh, whereas others prefer to celebrate as i saw mostly on the internet uh, this year they were saying 12 years in on the 3rd of january which is exactly a week ago where they were speaking about him creating um, the genesis block or the first block uh, in bitcoin so this man did not just write a white paper he went ahead to demonstrate how and he began to create uh, a system of blocks where and again i say when you do this read and or perhaps listen to uh, that particular video around how it works and there are lots of them that explain many explainer videos it could then help you to just understand the technology around blockchain but bottom line if someone comes first there cannot be four people who are saying we are all first and i like to use a very simple example if you go and register uh, to get a stand at uh, harare city council or whatever other local authority council then you know the queue should be easily denotated by who came first right uh, so there's nothing like you know i came here last night and then my brother was holding the position nope there's a proper queue it actually has a nice timestamp, and i like how this works because i know many of us know it from using facebook uh, groups where there would be trade groups or bidding groups and you know the technology is very simple someone puts up a post i am selling this puzzle for a hundred dollars who wants it you put in your bids underneath and the bids are closing by a certain time tomorrow uh, the commentary would show you by way of timestamp who said what when just like when you sent an email it has a timestamp so bitcoin also has that facility or let me say the blockchain has that facility to be able to time transactions uh, essentially the way it would work is just that you know we could be able to ensure that there are no duplication in terms of payments and we're also having timestamps in terms of payments and that's why for a lot of people who did not understand bitcoin um to begin with uh, or were very dismissive of it they were saying listen we like the underlying technology which is blockchain very useful uh, particularly against corruption for voting for things that require queuing like stands and a whole lot of different ways and and, and things uh, but maybe not so much the bitcoin itself i still have interest in bitcoin uh, because essentially it is internet money we're basically just saying that value is uh, being uh, created somewhat and it's an asset class of sorts now some have did say that uh did say that uh, bitcoin of itself has absolutely no value uh, and I, I read a lot um try and get perspectives from different people it's interesting an argument that is put forward that we could say the exact same thing about gold gold is only valuable because someone thinks that it has future value all right um so there's actually absolutely no hard evidence that says gold is necessarily better than Bitcoin, which is interesting. It's just probably much more acceptable. But let me just say um, it's important and instructive that you find that history. So go and find the white paper and just read around how the technology itself works. Now, assuming that we understand that and we know that Bitcoin is, I'm going to put this in very large quotes, uh, a, a currency of sorts. Let me just say um, it is important to know that the best way to understand Bitcoin is to actually have some. Um, so I like personally to consider it as an asset class. I like to throw it under alternative investments. And um, I would not encourage anyone 
to put their entire savings in it. It would definitely be one of those things I would believe at, believe at this point you must put in um, as one of your lower percentages in your tactical allocation. And uh, you basically want to make sure that you speculate on that money. You want to put in that money that after you've put in, you feel like, oh, I wish I'd put more, but you're still happy that you've made some kind of gains. So the opportunity of it rising is there. Just like how shares work, we buy low, we sell high, and we have made a profit. I buy a dollar and I go out at a dollar fifty. I've made fifty cents. Fifty percent gain in any world, even on a year, is great. In fact, I was just looking at uh, the returns on the different markets last year. Um, you know, American markets, the S and P's, the Nasdaqs, and it's instructive to note that amongst all of those things, I think gold itself. Um, performance was a little under 30, should be about 25 or so percent. SP and Nasdaq as well, you know, we're not going as high as what Bitcoin did in the past year, which is about 301 percent. We know, of course, that past performance is not a guarantee of uh, a future performance, but this should then instruct us uh, to think about what that may mean in this year. It may mean, like one of my colleagues said, that the ones that were laggards may then pick up this year your stock markets, your golds, uh, your oil, which was performing quite dismally in the, in the minuses, uh, which are the usual sort of asset classes that people are used to. Um, but again, it's interesting to note how, uh, you know, just Bitcoin just jumped. Now, personally, I've had um, some experience with it. I was very fortunate to be one of the first, um, I'll say an early adopter, I must say, because I got it explained to me by a gentleman who called himself at that time the Bitcoin evangelist of Zimbabwe. And that was sometime in May 2014. And like an only any good evangelist would do, they don't just get you born again. They also give you a Bible and put you in a church, isn't it? So what he did was to get me to open a, a wallet and it was a mycelium wallet. And he gifted me with what was the equivalent of about one US dollar worth of Bitcoin. Um, looking back, I do see that I did fumble the bag in that particular year. Uh, and I'll tell you why, because... I found interest in it. I found it very fascinating because it was going up. And so what I did was to buy uh, a further, you know, um, 0 0.0107 uh, Bitcoin from him, which uh, got me to about, you know, um, yes, about 0 0.015 or thereabouts. Um, and I, I gave him $3 United States dollars in cash on the 5th of December of 2014. And I held on to that uh, Bitcoin. And then what happened is that there was a conference that occurred, I think, sometime in 2015, and I paid for, for it. It was Texim, I believe. And, you know, they were testing something, so they were receiving payments in Bitcoin, so I paid a bit for that. And then a few months later, uh, I got some design work done for a logo, and the guy was accepting Bitcoin, so I paid for some design work. And then I lost... Um, I lost the keys to that wallet, which is very unfortunate because what I did done was to back it up. And I'll talk to this a bit more. Uh, a little later on, I backed up my passwords uh, to my wallet onto a laptop, which unfortunately crashed. And um, as they say in Shona, Mawanakavatang. And so um, that's a lesson to learn there for anyone who's got a wallet. Lest I forget, make sure you back it up and uh, prefer preferably make sure that you back yourself up in the cloud. Now, I literally just forgot about Bitcoin, was just occasionally watching it, uh, put in some commentary in 2017 and 18, but never actually really thought to buy any because I saw how the jumps were recording 
Um, and I did put out some tweets around that. Uh, but because I was a little bit, uh, felt that it was a bit of a mischievous asset class, I thought that I, I would do better investing more in my types of small businesses, etc. Uh, granted, though, I will tell you um, that the gains that were then recorded in Bitcoin later, and I say this with the benefit of hindsight, were by far greater than anything I would have done. But that being as it may, I decided to relook my personal financial portfolio at the height of uh, uh, the global pandemic, which we have been going through and are still in, in August last year. So I went back to my same godfather, I asked him how I could buy Bitcoin, and he confirmed to me that there is literally no way at that time, at least, that anyone could be able to buy Bitcoin in Zimbabwe uh, using a card. The best way would have been to get someone who was uh, holding it to send it across to your wallet and then you cash it out uh, and give them cash. Of course, again, that was also quite great because you'd minimize the type of uh, transaction costs that you'd have. And so I intended to put in $100 uh, by the end of the year, but I only had $50 at that time uh, because I was going through stuff. So I sacrificed the $50, uh, gave him the $50. He sent me the equivalent in Bitcoin. And by the next day, I had made a dollar and I was joking about how I should have put in 50 million because it would have been 1 million. And uh, suffice to say, long story short, by the end of the year in December, I had attracted uh, gains of just a little bit over 112 or so percent. And that's not bad. It is obviously a matter of regret that I did not buy more, but I'm quite grateful that I did not lose that 50. So all sorts of things to be grateful for. Again, I'll reiterate, really the best way to understand uh, Bitcoin is to understand it as this. It is uh, internet money. Um, think of it in this way. You know how all of the things we used to use differently were obliterated by the simple phone, a diary, a calendar, a phone. All of those are now found on your smartphone. Um, in the same way, the thought pattern is that in the years to come, we really would not need banks by themselves. We really would not need um, anything more than the actual bank account system. No one would be in charge. No one would manipulate it. Um, but all of us can then have a store of value or of money on the internet in a way that can enable us to transact without any disruptions. Now, of course, there is a downside to that. There is also a dark side, I do agree, because obviously for every good thing, there are people who take advantage of it. Just like the internet itself or social media loosely is used for bad as well as for good. So there are great WhatsApp groups where you can learn about how to manage money like ours or other great things that you can learn about how to cook or clean uh, or learn about school. But at the same time, there are people who use uh, you know, social media like WhatsApp uh, for all sorts of dark things. So it is a tool really in the hand of whoever is using it. Now, like we did say before, centralized systems have, uh, you know, uh, designed such that they should be trusted. Um, they're expensive. There's a single point of failure. If banks fail, then all of us lose. But with Bitcoin, it was really designed to be a decentralized system. Uh, absolutely no central issue. What Satoshi just basically did was to start what we'd call the Genesis block. And thereafter, the way it works, uh, for those that have technology, they may explain it better to you. It's sort of like breaking up into smaller pieces over time. And um, he, the technology said that Bitcoin is continually generated. Um, so there's no restrictions in how it works. That there are no restrictions on transfers. There are no rules, which again uh, could be a pro, but could also be a con. So now let me just come back so that I don't get too technical on uh, issues to do with what money is. When you talk about what money is, and remember we said we're trying to draw an equivalent with, uh, you know, Bitcoin and say it is internet money very loosely. When you talk about money, money is a scarce commodity. It is durable. It is uh, portable. It's got to be divisible. Um, that means, you know, you should be able to divide it further into notes and coins um, of smaller quantity. 
it should be an acceptable thing um it should be fungible which means it can be used across borders and then it must be counterfeit resilient it's interesting because bitcoin just by the very simple definition of internet money would tick those boxes discussed so not everybody has it it's not just easy to be found it's got to be earned or it is given to you just in the same way as money uh, it is durable obviously because it is on the internet the blockchain um all things being equal really it doesn't uh, disappear though of course they do say there are lots of bitcoins that have disappeared simply because people have forgotten keys or people gave them away and and stuff or lost keys which is quite quite unfortunate and that's a really great risk i will agree then of course uh, there's the idea that it is portable um, obviously you can be having 10 million in a bitcoin wallet and it's basically in a wallet that's in your pocket you can't cross the border without being asked by uh, the folks at Zimra, if you're living in Zimbabwe, whether you have 10,000 or more in your bag, but you can do that with uh, with Bitcoin, which is quite interesting. Zimra must never hear this. Um, it is divisible. So, you know, the smaller units of um, Bitcoin are called uh, Satoshis or people just call them stats. So, sats, so if you see people say stack sats, that you're basically just saying add up the cents to make dollars or take those many, many small units to make up uh, a Bitcoin. It is also acceptable, uh, granted, not to everybody, but I can guarantee that in every country there are people who use it. And so really it's a matter of time before uh, the whole world begins to actually, and the places across the world where people accept Bitcoin for coffee, they accept it for services, uh, for fees even, uh, depending of course which nation it is and how developed they are. And then of course it's fungible, that goes without say, it can be used across borders. Um, so that's a really huge opportunity for us with things like remittances. Uh, and I know a number of startups that have actually tried to build around that uh, because it's a very strong use case in Zimbabwe where we already understand mobile money. So think of it as somewhat similar to EcoCash. Difference, of course, being with EcoCash, uh, for the money to get into a system, it's got to start by being uh, deposited somewhere as actual real money but there are parallels they albeit not exactly the same and then last but not least it's counterfeit resilient so they really ordinarily should not be what you call fake bitcoin uh, which is why i'll emphasize again at the end you don't need a middleman you can do everything you can do bad like my dear all by yourself it's very unfortunate for us as uh, africans and zimbabweans in particular that our first understanding of bitcoin was through scammers there were quite a number of bitcoin scammers if only people had taken time to listen they would have known that they can actually be able to uh, deal in bitcoin directly or by themselves so let me look at the why why people would get into bitcoin so obviously as a payment system you want to have control i want to be able to pay for anything across the world without necessarily having a visa card in paying a currency that is acceptable or value that is acceptable. And so really for many people, it's for the transaction value. Uh, but again, people then realize that this thing is continually going up. Um, over time, it is said that the price of Bitcoin has changed over 12 million times, right? That means it's a very long process um, of price discovery, literally a million times every year. That's a long time uh, for every year, or that's a num many number of times for every year that it has existed, you know, a million times the price has changed. And so uh, for many people, um, the option really in putting money in Bitcoin is to look to save or to look to invest, basically to either number one, store value of money, or number two, grow the amount of money that you have. And I find that, again, this is best understood by people who've actually held on to Bitcoin, who will tell you, okay, fine, I may have made gains. If I come out, the question is, where will I put that money? Uh, because ordinary money, you know, the US dollars that Zimbabweans are so besotted by, uh, is generally referred to as a, a fiat or some call it fiat money. Um, that money, uh, because it is manipulated by governments of the world, 
may not really be as valuable as we think it to be. Now, I know many of us may not understand this because we've experienced the Zimbabwe dollar scenario. And so, you know, to think of a US dollar as not being valuable is crazy. And yet the history we read will tell us that from an inflation-adjusted position, indeed, since 1991, the dollar has actually lost, I don't remember whether it's 12 or 21 percent, um, in real value, but I always joke that in Zimbabwe, uh, that said, it does take a bit of imagination to understand and to appreciate uh, Bitcoin. But let me suffice to say that if you are a believer in either African traditional religion or uh, or you are Muslim or you are a Christian who believes in a higher power whom you have not seen, I don't think it should be too difficult. I mean, listen, we believe that we'll go to heaven. Um, that we have not seen, where we believe some of our dead, dearly departed may have gone to, um, then it should not be that easy, to difficult to imagine uh, the workings of Bitcoin itself. So having said that, um, again, people also get into speculate because of, again, movements. Uh, so they're in and out. There are people who actually trade. Though I will say in my limited experience and just speaking with friends who've also had it, it seems to make more sense just to hold. There's no value in trying to buy in dips and then, uh, sell high for most people it kind of smoothens out unless you are buying in the dips when it goes down with very new money uh, then in that case which you then hold again then there is value um very few people are sophisticated enough to know how to time because it's very volatile that i will say up front um i will tell you for the first 10 days of this year alone by day number three i know people who had made gains of 20% on Bitcoin. So when they put in $100, they're 20. So if they put in 100,000 of any currency, they're 20,000. And as soon as the day before yesterday, they were sitting on gains of anything between 37 and 40%, um, which is great. But that's only great if you realize it, uh, which basically means if you take out the money that you've actually made and then set it aside and then you are holding onto your money, then you can say I've actually uh, created or rather received the value that I am thinking I may have gotten. And so uh, many people then also put money in the Bitcoin with the intent of actually just being invested into the very long term. I have seen the concept being written, uh, which is holding H-O-L-D, but it's actually generally spelled H-O-D-L. Um, and it's something that personally I'll say up front that I've subscribed to. I feel that with this volatility and with other evidence, which I'll perhaps share with you shortly, it makes more sense to actually buy with the intention of holding right? A very long-term speculative holding is my summary around how we should treat Bitcoin. If you're lucky to make gains in between, then that's fine, but really treat it as something that you can forget at the very least, in my view, for the next five to 10 years. That said, where do people normally hold this Bitcoin? Uh, again, like you would do with any account, you'd need to have a wallet uh, for all of your money, whether it's physical, it goes into a wallet. If it's a bank, you have a bank account. If it's eco cash or mobile money, you have a wallet. So I personally started with mycelium. I know it's still there, but I then moved from that. I now use more of BitPay if it's dollar denominated. And uh, I found that extremely user friendly, again, recommended by my friend. Um, but I recently came to know in some of our groups and in conversations with other uh, fellow citizens asking around twitter some people use uphold uh, as an app uh, some use uh, a platform called localbitcoins.com uh, i did try to register with uphold the only problem was uh, getting the visa card or mastercard up there and uh, we do know that for many platforms in zimbabwe we can't do this because of course uh, of the limitations around sanctions so it would be very nice after this conversation to hear people who've gotten a fixed share how they themselves have been able to do it. Uh, I know folks that were um, 
able to uh, sign up using another one called Kraken, and that's K's for both instances, K-R-A-K-E-N. Uh, dot com. Um, I'm yet to try that because I only get to, got to know about it today and someone tagged me on Twitter and said, listen, I've managed to buy, uh, but they were able to sort of uh, link it to their FBC MasterCard. So I think that could be a great opportunity because I know many Zimbabweans are asking which platform may I use. So perhaps go ahead and try some of those and let's hear from you how you've done it. Um, but I know when I did ask that um, a lot of folks were very uh, positive about using Luno.com, which yes, you will not find uh, the Zimbabwean option, but uh, some have opted to pick up South Africa and you've got a South African linked account that makes it extremely easy, um, you know, to do the funding. So you will find on our website, marie.co.zw, a nice blog on how to set up an account in South Africa, uh, a non-resident account. And I can confirm that that is very functional. I personally was able to successfully uh, take a look at and, you know, do a small trades uh, with luno.com and I highly recommend it. I like the fact that it uh, it looks uh, nice. You can see how uh, different types of, uh, you know, uh, the cryptos are performing. I know that downside, some have said it has less coins, but most of us are probably going to get into those really mainstream ones. Your Bitcoins, your Ethereums, your Litecoin, your Repo for those that are, um, you know, your BTC Cash. Uh, again, you'd find pretty much the same range on BitPay. Um, unless you're looking for much, much more, then of course your upholds do have a greater, greater range if you are trying to try other cryptocurrencies. So while Bitcoin is the poster child, there are really many other cryptocurrencies uh, which are called altcoins or alternative coins that seek to solve, solve you know, similar problems Um or uh, focus on particular aspects of payment problems, really just trying to decentralize everything um, and creating value uh, for folks, ordinary folks, without the intervention of governments, as it were. Now, it's actually very interesting that of late, um, in the mainstream, you will see your PayPal's, you see your uh, big institutional investors coming in into crypto as well. Uh, many of them who had been in denial, many fund managers, particularly those that are run by millennials, are actually taking it as a very serious asset class, um, having taken note of the performance of it in the past year. So this, again, some have said is why there has been quite a big bull run. Uh, the anticipation had been that there would be by this mid-January and in the next two days uh, some major occurrences, but others would then counter that and say, listen, uh, the Biden administration is likely to print at least $3 trillion. That should be shaking. And there's always that one question fine, if I take it out and I'm holding US dollars, where do I actually put that money where it makes sense? So you, you get the gist of why. But more importantly is to understand uh, some other different issues, um, one of which is the way that Bitcoin was designed is such that there will always be, they say, not more than 21 million. And I'm made to understand that we're sitting at about 19 million um, Bitcoin that have been mined so far because there's a technology that keeps the uh, supercomputers that actually generate uh, you know, the blocks and the and the Bitcoin itself. I'm not very technical. Those that are perhaps may help us to understand how this happens uh, because someone may ask, where does the actual Bitcoin come from? Um, so, you know, it comes from mining. Uh, so big computers actually then generate it. Not many people can be able to get it, um, obviously. So very few people can be able to mine. The rest of us will then have to receive it, um, you know, either in response to work we've done or as gifts, or we may actually buy uh, the Bitcoin ourselves, um, you know, directly from exchanges 
or even from individuals who are wanting maybe stuck in Zimbabwe cashing out once cash like my friend did and then we receive the Bitcoin. That's essentially the simple ways of getting it. So some issues to think about certainly is that, that there's a limit. Um, so I, I've been enjoying tracking, um, you know, a, a, a website that actually talks about, uh, you know, how there's a limit to Bitcoin for, for every person. So the theory is very simple. There are about 7 billion plus people. Um, if all of the Bitcoin in the world were to be made available and they say that it will be done by the end of this year uh, or next year, um, then that means at it, it, it best everyone should be able to get, I think, 0.007, I believe, uh, portion of, 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 of Bitcoin. So if you've anything more than that, really, then you've a lot. Um, so they say try and target to get at least 0.28 of a Bitcoin and you are doing better than most people. Uh, but they say that the top 0.01% should be able to have something that's just slightly under one Bitcoin. Uh, my desire and target is to be able to build up such that um, I can build a portfolio where I can have at least one Bitcoin, one Ethereum, uh, you know, a full coin um, somewhere just for entirely speculative purposes. I've seen some very upbeat people talk about how they're going to buy their uh, Lamborghinis from Bitcoin money. So it's very interesting. I do agree that it's important to follow as many people as possible. Follow the ones that are optimistic. Follow the ones that are very pessimistic. And in each way, you would still be able to then find your truth in the middle. Security, like I said before, is very important. If you're using one of these wallets, uh, make sure that you uh, secure it. Most of them that are good will ask you to do that as soon as you've actually put in any money in them. Uh, always remember that Bitcoin is volatile. Um, I remember 2017, there was quite a major crash. Uh, so people that got in at that time are very pessimistic about it. People who had gotten in before were quite optimistic because they rode through that uh, particular series. And so this will always be there. There will always be highs. There will always be lows. It's smart to buy when it is low. It is smart to sell when it is high. Um, there's obviously that argument, like I said, of intrinsic value. And we've already debunked that by saying gold by itself cannot be eaten. Yes, can be used for rings, etc. Some will argue though that, but who would want a plastic ring? Uh, the bottom line is... You know, it's all of these things are really a matter of belief. That's that's the truth because none of us would take these things when we live and live and die, you know, from this earth. Uh, but suffice to say that some of the things to think about that perhaps, as I would say, as I uh, conclude, is uh, buy and hold into the long term, buy dips, and always, every time, buy using spare money only. Don't take school fees, don't take lobola money, don't take car money. I know you're going to have testimonies of people say, no, I had lobola money or I had school fees money, so I took the risk. Oftentimes what we can do that are people who know, uh, you know, if this thing crashes, I can afford to get other money from other fees uh, because I do other work that generates that much money in a year anyway. So I can gamble really. And I'm going to have to use that word deliberately. I can take the risk because I know I can wait that long. Um, so you spare money, only money that you can afford to lose or money that you can afford to forget for quite a long time. I do say it's important to look at alternative um, coins as well. Uh, you will take a look at Ethereum, which actually has a very nice use case. It tends to track uh, Bitcoin. I think the divisor was about 30. There about, so you can actually see when it is undervalued. And of course, there's a theory that says Bitcoin at best may be able to multiply to about by 5 times 8 times 10. Alternative coins can go up and shoot up as much as 100 uh, times. But you see, the thing is, being able to pick the correct one is not that easy, number one. And then number two, uh, time has shown that Bitcoin is much, much more agile when it comes to weathering the storms of bulls. Um, so for those of us who have participated and have been tracking at least since um, 
this time last year, even if we are novices or have a certain level of comfort with Bitcoin, we know that it's just a matter of time you can ride the wave. You can even forget about it. One guy was saying in one of our groups that I bought two uh, Bitcoin, you know, and I still have them. Um, and if I were him, I suspect I wouldn't have had that four fortitude to keep on. I probably would have cashed out at double the amount or and then be regretting it now. But so for those of us who are coming in at this time, we do have the benefit of hindsight. And the interesting bit is if you do the math in truth, uh, from what the forward value could be, and there's a whole range around this. Uh, even buying now is still early. Um, granted, you may only get 10 times or maybe 12, but for those that are very positive, they say that it is early buying, and I think it is worth looking at. So continue to get information. Um, what is the biggest risk that may occur? The biggest risk for Bitcoin is a government ban. Um, but the truth is, in the way it's structured, if this thing is already online, there isn't much, there's who do they address do they arrest every wallet? You know, do they, how do they actually doing it? I mean, the how bit is quite difficult and there are a whole lot of um, issues around that being done. So even if the American government, which many of us deem the most powerful, but these are the same guys whose, uh, you know, house was, capital house was, was, was running to this other, literally walked in the front door. So I don't know whether we should believe the things we see in movies about those guys being very tight on security and stuff. Um, but of course, the biggest risk would be that. And then the risk of a price crash to me is no risk at all. That comes granted, just like with stocks, you know, just like with currency. A downside is guaranteed on any investment. So what are the right forward prices? It's very interesting. I think JP Morgan had put out a price of... Uh, uh, was it 146,000, I think, to the Bitcoin? And to date, is anything above 33? Some had said, uh, you know, it won't even get to 30. It's going to come back, crash back down to 20. But it looks like from my very recent readings, and this is the 11th of January, and it's almost 5 p.m. now as I record, uh, it looks like it has attained a nice support price of 32,500. Last week, incidentally, on the 4th of January, we had another... Uh, really major dip. Uh, people were losing quite a bit of money. And yet here we are today. So it's interesting to see that the trend itself is actually upwards. And I must say that it's important then to also familiarize yourself with the lingo around this, your hold, uh, your hodl, your candles, your dips, all of these things. I am not an expert in myself. And this does not by any way constitute uh, financial advice, but it's really just me sharing uh, my short sort of uh, experience with it and also just sort of uh, curating the experiences I've had others share. So scammers will always be there. Please buy direct. That's what the issue was because I think there's a really great opportunity here. And I'm sorry to say this, there's really no better way to say this. Sometimes when you see certain types of people of certain color rushing in a certain direction, uh, don't fear also. Try and just get there. Because the narrative around it they build is that it is generational wealth. And this in conclusion is how personally I've decided to treat Bitcoin and Ethereum, which are my two preferred coins, and perhaps Litecoin, um, going into the future, I want to look at them as potential wealth for my children. Now, there's a guy that they I say is the most pessimistic. Uh, it's called Peter Schmidt, I think, uh, or Peter Schmidt, uh, something like that. Um, but anyway, Peter uh, put out a tweet which I found hilarious today where he says, yes, there is indeed a wealth transfer and it's just between the people who are buying and the ones that are selling. It's a bubble, it will blow. So here's the thing. Um, you could say that about almost every underlying asset for every other thing, uh, including even some listed companies. Um, the idea is to know yourself, know your risk appetite. If you're going to risk it all, make sure that you risk uh, money that is not 
depending for other things that are important in your life. And then that way you should be in a good place. What are the forward prices that we're looking at? Like I'd say JP Morgan was putting one for six. I've seen um, some say that it will definitely hit a hundred thousand this year. I think once we breach the 40,000 mark, which has been the highest uh, 41, I think even this year, then 50,000 is becoming quite realistic this month of January in my view. Um, uh, and once we breach that, really, it is a race to a hundred thousand. So I feel like hundred thousand is the most conservative by end of year. Is extremely feasible. There is inflation. There is printing of money. There are not many many options in terms of where people can put their hard earned money. To be honest, so speculators will speculate, and if there is appetite from institutions, there'll be movement. Those that said we will not buy at twenty, it is overheating. Suddenly got in at thirty. Um, some of them will be late participants they'll get in at 40 some will get in at 50 i dare say some may even get in at 100,000 in the hope of getting it to a million so what is important is for you to then have an investment strategy and this should be the last thing i want us to end on this particular note which is this i cannot say this enough take profit as you go if there's anything i personally regret from my few transactions from the beginning of the year was to just watch now i'm not saying trade uh, but I do believe that where you can, listen, if you've put in $100, if you're lucky that you get to 150 perhaps take out that 50 leave the initial uh, 100 Let's see if it goes again to another, you know, 150 or so. Take out the other 50 You've literally taken out your 100 which you put in initially. What happens thereafter is that you do not lose in participating in the wealth transfer if it is indeed coming. But at the same time, you've re recouped your capital. Granted, some will ask, what will I do with the money? It doesn't matter. It's your money. You've got it back. If you want to spend it or eat it, it's on you. Or put it into some things that you may perceive as safer. But uh, the returns certainly uh, on cryptocurrency, as far as I can tell, are likely to be fairly positive in this year at the very least. And in the long haul, uh, certainly I do believe that, you know, just by the simple laws of supply and demand, if this thing is limited, if it is legit, uh, if it is untouchable, then certainly there will be some value. Now, you find yourself, are you looking to get 10%? Are you looking to get a return of 20, 50? Because greed also is the issue. There's a fear and greed index that actually is run. You can Google that around Bitcoin. I cannot be able to finish everything in this one podcast. This was just to get you a bit of awareness, uh, sort of on the how-to, on the why, and perhaps just to point you in the direction of things you want to read. I follow like maybe 50 or so accounts uh, on Twitter that talk about Bitcoin. And I talk to, I list, I, I talk to, or rather I follow folks that are very uh, upbeat about it, people that are in the middle of the road, people that are on the other extreme, uh, that never want to hear about it, so that I get a very balanced view. And I personally have an investment philosophy. Um, in real terms, if I've made 50% on a dollar, I'm quite happy. I'll tell you that. So for my case, it was thinking around, okay, I have raised enough money to max out um, the South African tax-free you know, amount, which perhaps is say 36. I'm giving this as an example. If I keep it in a tax-free savings account, right, at best, they may give me three or 4% per annum. Now, if I were to take that money and put it in Bitcoin, um, I can make that 3% in a month. So I've made my money. I'm very happy to walk away. But I may say to myself, listen, let me get to the double digits. If I make 20%, I'm good to go. Because it's money I was going to put into that tax-free savings account anyway. So in that case, I would then return that money to savings or put it in the stock market or put it into business or biological assets. What we know is that for every kind of investments, investment, there's an upside and there's also potentially a downside. So you locate yourself 
think about your investment goals. I did send out a tweet and I'll talk about this in terms of how to uh, do tactical allocation as we begin this year. Like I said, I will do a series, perhaps um, some of the things that I'll talk about in the next few weeks, which have dedicated podcasts, is this one around how to uh, take advantage of the opportunities that may be found in cryptocurrency. I will talk about the how-tos around um, getting ready for retirement because I've had many, many calls around, I'm turning 40, I'm really worried, I'm Zimbabwean, what should I be doing? Um, I will speak to things I've heard, things I've seen, things I've done. And then from there, we can open up the discussions and we can be able to help each other to make sound financial decisions. So thank you very much for listening. Do share this. If you want to be a part of our podcast, write to us uh, groups, WhatsApp groups, write to us on 0772-191-282 and we'll add you to some of the groups. You can also visit our other past content on our website, www.mari.co.zw. Cheers.